When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. We're on a collision course with the national championship, and the only variable is time. Because the train is rolling, so anybody out there, I can't tell you what's going to happen right now, but it's coming. Get on board, but get out the way. That's what that is right there. We're coming like this, man. When you're like this, you can't be beat, baby! You're listening to From the Pink Seats Podcast of the State of Louisville Podcast Network. Now, here's your host, Jacob Lane, Matt McGavin, and Vince McGavin. I feel like like it's got to be a different song because we don't know the words. Okay, sing me something sad. Uh (laughs) I let it fall. Let's get to the chorus. All right, fine, fine. I said okay, fine. You, <laughs> okay. If you really done. want me to, if you really want me to fucking sing, I'll do it. Do it. Sing do it. it. Everybody hurts. What like a contrasting weekend. Like Will Ferrell and Wedding Crashers. And we need more of that on From the Pink Seat Podcast. That right there is a synopsis of what you're what you're getting tonight, which is we didn't plan that. That just happened. So whatever <laughs> yeah. happens tonight on the show, uh, your guess is as good as mine. But we're here to figure it all out uh, and get prepared for Louisville's next football game uh, where we try to put on uh, the, the we literally are the clown meme coming to life. Right. The one of the clown walking into the stadium every week. That's us right now at this point, yep. but it is great mm-hmm. to be back here with the boys. We were just together last night, it's a little bit of a reunion tonight. We got a dog joining us. We've got Matt, we've got Vince, we've got Presley P dog. The whole crew is here. I'm Jacob Lane from the pink seats podcast. We thank you so much for tuning in. It's been a rough start for Louisville. There's no denying that, uh, but we're glad that you're here uh, and we're going to hopefully get through this together tonight. Um, the jokes are really on us and quite uh, for, Quite frankly, mostly on me, uh, just listening back to last week. Oddly enough, guys, we got a lot right. We're going to get into uh, right and wrong. Uh, the second edition of that tonight, we're going to go through what we got right, and what we got wrong last week, because it is quite funny, some of the things that we got wrong. Uh, but we were right on a lot of things we said about Louisville and how they would fudge it up or what could happen. Um, and sure enough, Louisville walked out of Chestnut Hill, Massachusetts, on a uh, rainy, wet, windy, weird day uh, with a loss to potentially the worst team in the ACC this year. And, man, it still hurts three, four days later. Everybody hurts. But it here hasn't we are. set in. It's just like it, it's, it doesn't make sense in my head. We're rewatching that game back. I don't know. 
It doesn't. Right. We've we've got a lot to get into tonight. We're gonna talk about how we kind of kicked off the weekend and enjoyed the game. Our first uh, watching as a as a group together without Matt, of course, because Matt's too professional for us. Got to got to do his tweeting <laughs> and his and his journalism stuff okay. over there. But we had we had a great time hanging out. We're gonna get into right and wrong. We're gonna recap the the Boston College loss with Vince's game notes. We've got a really, really um, good conversation planned, or at least I hope so. We'll see how it goes by that point in the show about just everything surrounding the program, the future of Louisville football with or without Scott Satterfield, what that's going to look like. Obviously, it seemed like there's a tone switch this week with him. Uh, You could sense that during his media availability, which we're going to get into all of that. And of course, we'll talk Virginia. We've got predictions, um, all kinds of shenanigans to get into tonight on the show. But let's uh, let's start with this. Vince, you are uh, an Italian, okay? We did learn that uh, firsthand on Saturday morning. Noon games with Vince Lacoco might have to become a staple when Louisville goes on the road because, Vince, you showed us that uh, cooking is your your thing, man. You, you cooked some <laughs> fire breakfast for us. You got us a little, a little gravy with some spicy sausage in it, some bacon, some eggs. Uh, it was just wonderful. Vince really rolled out the red carpet for us. Uh, for myself, Presley, and our buddy Alex, um, and man, we had a good time. It was not the best football to watch. That's certainly uh, uh, no. definitely not the case. But we <laughs> no. definitely had good company. I would say my my mom's gonna love hearing that. My, yeah. my mom's gonna love hearing that, considering she's from Campbellsville, Kentucky, and you know makes her own biscuits and everything. I asked her for the biscuit recipe last week uh, for the noon game because uh, yeah, the noon game whenever we were tailgating with the Martins, and uh, uh, she she said I don't have it written down. And she's like, I'll make some for you, though. And she later sent me a picture of what she cuts her biscuits out with. And it's just a hollowed out like can that you would put like, yeah, like an old beat. It's the most country shit ever. It's it's so funny. See, where country meets Italian is the the, the just most beautiful cooking that you'll ever find. We experienced that. Vince is the, the go to the show here for, for cooking. Uh, but how about the studio? You guys, you see me? I'm in a new spot tonight. I'm not quite ready for video because my video camera is from 1947. So I look like a ghost because I've got very strong overhead lights. But the live shows are are not too far away. I can just sitting in the garage tonight, fellas, I can smell uh, your all sense uh, as I just kind of envision what it will be like to be together and do a live recording. You really did, you didn't have to say that. Yeah, that was kind of weird. <laughs> no, you know, you, I mean, you, it is spooky season. You do look like a ghost. So I, I mean, do. I right. do. I'm very pale. So if anything happens to me in the show, you're not going to know because I was already pale to start. Uh, and how about a golf scramble coming up this week? Presley in uh, our next couple of weeks. Is it this week? Uh, October 10th. October 10th. Yeah. October 10th. The, ne- the next Monday. So th- this coming Monday, it's yep. going down. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I heard Presley. Max Martin is leading our team to a to a championship. Yeah, 395 yard drives. Max is just going to drive us to the green on a par five. But uh, I like. I mean, I don't know. I know Mason King, Blaine Creaky, and a bunch of other guys play a lot of golf. But having two former collegiate golfers on your team is not going to hurt bad. And I mean, unless I come out and play like I usually do, which is pretty bad. But you yeah, know. I- I don't know many guys that bring their clubs to Top Golf. Uh, Presley did that, and it just showed. There's me nothing that he... wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. I saw y'all giving Presley shit for that. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. Presley just called you being a sore loser. <laughs> I mean, dude, that's exactly what it, it's like. Bring your own, bring you, your own bowling ball. You brought a rock to a gunfight, bro. And yeah, you got... I, look, I'm not an experienced or seasoned golfer. I, I, I mean, I don't know. You were with a couple <laughs> of noobs. Like it was just hilarious. The sight of us, kind of stumbling into this place trying to figure out how to golf well alex is a golfer but me just like 
what do I do with this? Charles Barkley uh, at the at the top <laughs> level of tough golf. And here you are with your clubs, with your gloves and you're getting all, you're getting your club shined up. You're just, you know, professional golfing my ass all over the place is what you're doing. And all uh, I, know I know is that, that, that will be the golf case. Is finally done here. We're yeah. all Yeah, for sure. Oh we'll yeah. I mean, night out. A, I will tell you right now that if you can't get a hold of me for whatever reason, just come to top golf and we can chat it up because I will be there. I know. I believe that. So one, one thing that I'll say, just because of the way all of this has gone down and just knowing how Louisville is as a whole, the first two years that Top Golf is open, it's going to be so effing busy all the time, and it's going to be infinitely frustrating. So I'm probably going to do like a bunch of lunch breaks there because it's cheaper to go during the day, and everybody wants to go and treat it like a nightclub at night. When really, it's all about, you know, we, we all know what it's all about is, you know, kicking your buddy's ass in golf is what oh, it's about, cool. so... It's not. It's not about getting drunk, although Jake, Jacob. Yeah, yeah Jake, Jacob's going to try to argue otherwise in future podcasts. But I'm just telling you right now. I really am looking forward to the content that will come it's out gonna of that. Be like, it's it's going to be, be bad, like fellas. Main event, like Presley. I'm with you. It's going to be like main event. If you remember, whenever that place like had just opened, Crazy. it was it packed was, it was every event. weekend, yeah. and everybody it's, was doing everything up there. And now it's, it's every restaurant when they open. It's like a month before you can even get your foot in the door without waiting yep. for three and a half hours. It's, it's like all right, I'll try that when shit. it's at their one year anniversary. That's all it is. It's crazy white people shit. Is all it is. I it, yes, absolutely. White uh, people have to have the. It's like when H and M opened at the mall. Remember that. <laughs> Oh God! Just like, <laughs> tell me more. Do you, give like, me, give me a play-by-play play play of that. Experience. I'm sure people would rather hear Presley talk about H and M than Boston yeah. College talk, anyways. Well, I mean, if you see my ass before, my literal ass trying to put even one leg into one of those pairs of jeans is a fascinating no. case study in, in American uh, genetics. None of us are built for H&M clothing. Like, not a single one of us. No, no. It, it, <laughs> the reason it's called H&M is because I, I, I went to the, the pants aisle, and I said, hmm, not for me. <laughs> then I left. The H does not stand that. for husky. It stands for hefty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Elon Musk buying Twitter. You think the first move for him is to help us get State of Louisville back? You think we can we can pull strings? But, Matt, you, you got any connections to Elon, Matt, the big J journalism that you do? Hell no. I think we should eliminate the use of uh, notes, screenshots. I think Elon Musk should should ban that. I, I'm not a fan of you posting a screenshot of a note. <laughs> like what? That's a big That's recruiting such a thing. Niche too. Football thing though. It's it. so easy. <laughs> it is. It's just over the years, it's become so so played out. Dodging what we really need to get into. <laughs> but but this podcast but, began with me singing REM. What? You, you think? <laughs> Just very quickly, if you could change one thing about Louisville football Twitter, like if you were like, if you're Elon Musk and oh. you could change one thing, what would it be? I think mine's very simple. I think we would all Everybody agree. Yeah, he gets blocked. And the Garrett Riley guy too, man. Like st- no more of these fake coaching profiles. I can't do it anymore. Uh, yeah. What is it? I guess bring Brum home is, 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 is the natural. Just get rid of that forever. Um, I would just make it so that after within 24 hours of a, a Louisville football loss, you, you cannot say the name word, the word Brom. You just get blocked for the next 24 hours if you say Brom. No emotional decisions. That's that's my uh, if, if I could if I could make implement one rule. Anybody else? I, I always I, I text you guys my rule today. I just said shut it down for a complete day. I, yeah. I don't know. I was just sitting there at like seven and seven thirty in the morning, reading through nothing but 
Louisville football tweets. I'm like, man, I just wish my Twitter could be shut down for, for a full day. It's like, I think that at this point, Twitter for me is just all about Steve. Ho, you fat. Like, I think I need that content oh. daily at this point. <laughs> that announcer. Did you all hear him? Like, yes. call it when he hit a shot. Oh, yes. my God. That guy, that, he, he waited for that moment the entire night and he did not. He, he crushed it. It was it was he coming understood in, the assignment. He understood Aaron Judge the during the UK game and and Aaron Judge hitting a, hitting a home run on the first pitch. It was incredible. Let's move along here and let's get into the actual part of the uh, show here that matters. And that is right and wrong. This has become a, a regular part of the show inspired by our friends down in Tallahassee because we, we week to week this year. I don't think it was like this for the last two years, Matt, where we've been just like this wrong over and over again. And I, I don't think we're alone. So we've taken a little maybe it's just me. I don't know if you guys like this. You might hate this, but I have taken a little bit of joy in being able to dunk on ourselves. We we need to just put ourselves in check from time to time. You gotta be able to laugh. You gotta be accountable. That's right. This is our accountability uh built what, what it was the in the office. What it, the accountability booster? What was it the Dwight implements that really yeah, yeah. Three it? three strikes and and or no, it's five five strikes and you're out. Yeah, and, uh, and being out means that that they send everyone's uh, worst emails to David Wallace. No, to Robert California. Oh, Robert California. Yes. It is. All right. So Marcus, here it is. This yeah. week's edition of Right and Wrong. And I will start with myself. What I got wrong. Boston College offensive line were salad eaters. That was something that I said last week. And they proved that they are not salad eaters. Putting dip spits in and throwing guys around with neck pads. Are you sure you know what you're saying? Yes, very well. <laughs> Presley got it right. Vinny De Palma is a is a mean man, and we saw the nasty mobster Italian side of him. He led the team in tackles anywhere Malik Cunningham was, Jawar Jordan was, uh, Trevion Cooley. You were probably likely to find Vinny De Palma. It must be a Vincent, a Vinny Vincent type thing because um, from the people who I've talked to in my my few years of knowing Vince Lacoco, they say Vince was a ball hawk. He's always around the ball. You know, he's not the fastest. He's not the strongest. But Vince is just, you're going to find the football, and there he is. And sure enough, that's what Vinny De Palma was. It's got to be It's got to be a, a Vinny Italian thing. Um, so, Presley, kudos to you for getting that right. Where Vince got it right last week, this is a literal quote. This is my favorite. I want right. Woo! Oh, boy from Western is going to be throwing him the ball. My favorite line of last week. Oh, boy from Western is going to be throwing him the ball, talking about Devontae Parker. And sure enough, that leads me one into I got wrong. It's definitely not Zippy. I'm so not sure. I knew it zappy. last time. On the, I knew it last week. I didn't want to correct myself because I didn't know 100%. So, yeah, you're wrong. Matt got it wrong. Boston College. This is another direct quote. Boston College's O-line, they are terrible. There's no other way to put it. Direct quote. I know it's it's ugly on the other side, Matt. Welcome to the club, hey, buddy. In a vacuum outside of this game, I am not conceding that statement. As it pertains to this game, I was absolutely wrong. If I may, in defense of of Matt McGavick, um, of the defendant, Your Honor, there could be a situation where Matt is not wrong. You know, I mean, Jacob, you're like one in four in predictions this year. Um, everybody was just wrong from the start, uh, and we've been wrong and we remain wrong. And tonight we might be wrong. Uh, people who were haters of the program who said Louisville was going to go six and six wrong people who love the program and said, they're going to go nine and three wronger. Like just everybody's been wrong. Uh, so, so in this situation, like, like my one from the previous week that, that you said inconclusive, is that what you're about to say? It, it, that one you, you can mark as inconclusive TBD. How about okay. that? 
TBD. All yeah. right. We'll and come back defense. to it. We'll circle it. We'll come back to it later on. Did you do that when you're in college and you didn't know a question? You said, I'll, I'll circle it. I'll come back later to it. Did you do that? Or did you just guess it on the spot? Do you remember? No, no I 100%. I'm asking everybody. I just would circle uh, I did that and come in back. high school and took the test during advising. I just take pictures of what I didn't know. And you know, I'm yeah. Is that yeah, cheating? Uh, Statue of limitations over here? Can you get can know. you get your de- <laughs> I'm just all right? Let's keep it moving later <laughs> wrong here for the sake of time. What I got wrong last week, I predicted six sacks. They did get three, did not get six. What I also got wrong, another exact quote here. I expect a Phil Jerkovich temper tantrum. I wouldn't want to be Phil Jerkovich. Once again, inconclusive. Yeah, he did have the play where he threw the ball. Way, easily my favorite play I've ever seen in my entire life where he that was, was bad 10 yards past the line of scrimmage and chucked the ball forward. Just, you know, he was forgetting the rules of football, but still he's the one that threw three touchdowns and looked like an NFL quarterback. Malik Cunningham did not. So, you know, can I ask a quick question on that? Sure. Do you think that he fumbled on purpose? Maybe. They, I've heard multiple people on the radio this week say Boston college had a player who fumbled on purpose and Louisville still lost. And I don't think they're wrong. I think he fumbled on purpose. And he also threw a forward pass like seven yards ahead of the line of scrimmage. Well, that's the one it I'm specifically like talking about. It really did. Well, the, the other one where he was like falling down and he tried to throw it backwards, that also felt like a purposeful fumble. He did yeah. the same thing twice in one game. It was very weird. In Boston College, they've had they've had some point-shaving scandals in the past. I'm not trying to say he did that. That's a little bit of reckless journalism over here. Uh, I'll take the blame for that one, but, you know, <laughs> kudos to him, man. He, he withstood the storm. No six sacks, no temper tantrums, no tablets broken. Let's keep it moving. Matt got it right. He Another direct quote here. UofL's receivers struggle with separation. Now, he was talking about um, kind of where Boston College could expose Louisville on the offense, but that's – that's one thing Scott Satterfield has talked about all week is that they couldn't get separation. Wide receivers couldn't get open. Yes, penalties were a big part of that. We'll get into that here in a little bit. Uh, where Vince got it right. That's another direct quote. Zay Flowers is going to get one or maybe two. Oh, that's uh, that one hurts on the other side. But he hit that one right on the head. Kudos to Vince there. I can't get a prediction right this year uh, for a score. But, hey, uh, he got that one right. Uh, I got one right. To, you know, it wasn't related to football, but uh, it definitely wasn't what Matt McGavick did. Uh, and that is, I made a very, very, very fire chili this past weekend. Chili season. <laughs> I'm telling you, boys, I'm telling you, ground sirloin, some fresh onions, a little fresh peppers, some tomatoes, a little, little chili powder, some Dano spicy seasoning. Man, I got that. Hooked it up. Hit that pop, oh. pop. Woo! Hey, little pop, pop, pop. All yes. I know is that my, my what I made, I like, I thought was fire. It satisfied my craving. So everyone that wants hate on my chili. It Have you ever ordered food. a grilled cheese at a restaurant? No, because I'm no, not okay, okay. out than that, ma'am. No, okay. Well, <laughs> yeah, why would anyone order a grilled cheese? That was I a didn't... terrible way to start that off. Terrible way. You <laughs> think Matt, when, when do you think Matt ever, you know Matt, you've seen Matt, when do you think he's ever ordered a grilled cheese at any restaurant? Did you any see how really? Bachelor his chili was? Like, it looked like chili from a can with Fritos in it, man. Like, oh, I wouldn't go that bad. It wasn't the best it looking. It didn't bad. look Frito chili can looking. I mean, I, I'm also not going to sit over here and call you Pablo Picasso with your chili. You haven't tried it, man. You got, once you I try don't need it, to. Man. Look, I'm. I understand. I'm not Vincent Lacoco. I can't. I can't cook the gravy and the sausage with the. Uh, you know, I can't give it that love like you do when you cook, man. But 
Give, you got to give me my flowers, no pun intended here, on having some fire chili. I sent pictures of it. I know you saw it. It looked damn, damn good. Damn good. All you of all, them. Yeah, you almost did it. Okay, so you guys <laughs> are missing it, yeah. a, a very obvious um, kind of little situation that we should have here. Um, as someone who's not a member of the podcast, I think it should be my job to head this up. Um, I think that there are three people on here who probably have an excellent chili, and there is one uh, very just – very hungry man um, that that would love to watch some football and try all of your chilies and and judge them appropriately and sure. then come back on here. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what you guys are doing on Saturday, um, but I have a feeling I'm going to be pretty hungry. So if if anybody's you know maybe like a little halftime, we could do like a little live Twitter live I, at halftime. I, I don't know. Speak, speaking of chili, the best chili in this city happens to be at Kern's Corner. That's right. So That's I might right. have to and be you, there on Saturday watching the game. Eating some you know what? I'm burger. not opposed to that, man. I'm not. I have heard nothing but great things about the chili, uh, and they are a partner of the show. And so I think the best way to find that out, rather than us goofballs, look, I don't think anybody should have to eat Matt McGavick's chili. Okay, I think that's just hey, not a punishment hey, hey, that hey. we deserve. I'm hey, kidding. At least that. I'm kidding. My chili man. has its own parody account. Yeah, that's, that's true. Look, yeah. None of us have made it big time enough yet to get a parody account. Matt McGavich with it with a hard H does have his own Twitter. All right, let me get through these. I've got two more that I want to get uh get to. And Vince, these are both for you, buddy. The first one, Vince got it right. This is another direct quote. If we get too dialed in on one stat, it won't happen. Buddy, I you're right, man. You're right. I should have listened to you. You are the football expert here. Kudos to you. And this is where we'll finish. Vince, I am so sorry, man. I got it wrong. I knew this was coming. You've gave me three that were right. And you saved this for the last. I got it wrong. Lamar Jackson has every right to be a first rounder, the number one overall pick, whatever you want to call it. I have a tweet here um, that I read on our earlier on the first show. Speaking of which we have the episode with Tyler Griever uh, out now that you should go and you should catch, but we talked about this, that Lamar Jackson has, um, let me get this tweet pulled back up here. Uh, Lamar Jackson has scored one, the most fantasy points ever through the first, however many, four weeks of a season. That's incredible. Okay. That's a quarterback doing that. And then the stat here that I wanted to, to point out, um, is that there are, of the th- this is the tweet from Dave Kludge. It says QB scoring leaders in fantasy football, right? So this is where football, uh, where the quarterbacks stack up. Number one is Lamar Jackson. Number five is Lamar Jackson as a passer. So Lamar Jackson is a double top five player in fantasy football right now. So Vince, you got it right. You're gonna win the championship as long as Lamar stays healthy because this dude is the MVP of the whoa, league. Whoa. He is. What man? How do you guys say that? I mean, it's I'm I'm happy. I'm celebrating a win. I'm four and zero. It's on to the next week. Now my dog thinks somebody's here. I had to knock on wood. Speaking of which, you can't be jinxing me like that, Jacob. You can't be saying I'm going to win the championship. And Scout might be my new favorite dog of the podcast, man. I I love Jack. Uh, Maynard did not. Maynard was not a fan of me, Matt. It's not my fault. He did not like me. Uh, Scout was very sweet. I really enjoyed her company on Saturday. Scout is a wonderful dog. She was a great dog. Very yeah. good dog. Very good dog. Maynard All just right. loves hard, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maynard only loves two people in this world, in this world, you and Kara, uh, your girlfriend. That's yeah. the only two people on earth that Maynard has any affection for. 
And unless I come equipped with peanut butter and a Kong or some kind of dog bone, Maynard is going to bark at me until I leave. Just like he did the first time I came over to your apartment. So let's jump right into it. Vince's game notes. Let's talk Boston College and get into the specifics. We're going to keep this um, relatively quick this week, just going through the notes and letting Vince kind of define what the game was. Obviously, not a good outcome for Louisville. General overview of the game. Um, I'm not going to go through the stats like I do each week because it's not a pretty uh, a pretty sight here. But 34-33 is the final score for Louisville. They have every opportunity to win the game. They can't do it. Uh, worth noting, Malik Cunningham leaves the game in the second half uh, with Scott Satterfield saying that he took a hit, which was the targeting, which was just, you know, one of those situations where he goes down on a slide, takes a big hit. Not that one that knocks him out, though. It's the uh, the hit a couple of drives later where he comes off, and Scott Satterfield said that he didn't feel as if it was he was himself, so they rule him out. He is now day-to-day in some type of concussion head protocol. Again, Louisville has always been very loose with how they describe injuries and what's going on, which you know, I completely understand, but we do not know if Malik Cunningham will be ready to play by Saturday. So uh, it's either Malik Cunningham or it is Brock. Uh, Domon, uh, as the announcer continued to stay over and over and over and over again on Saturday. Um, and it is a rough finish for Louisville. He finishes Brock Doman one of eight for 19 yards and an interception. Malik Cunningham, three touchdowns. Um, and on the other side, it's Zay, it's the Zay Flowers show. Five receptions, 151 yards, two touchdowns. So, Vince, let's talk about it. Give us the game notes. What we got? It's time to get down to brass tacks. It's Vince's game notes with Vincent Lococo. I mean, we might as well start off with the 151 yards with Zay Flowers. And, I mean, Coach Brown hit the nail on the head. Everybody heard his, uh, you know, post-game, post-Monday presser, whatever they did. And, uh, I mean, he's leaving one-on-one matchups with Josh Minkins in the slot. And that's, and that's never a good idea when you have a clear NFL-type receiver right there. And, you know, Zay – Flowers made one catch on Minkins that was honestly good coverage and it was just a good play. And Presley and Jacob, we both looked at each other and said that was a good play. Because even then, we had a corner over top of that. So say – I'm just going to call him Phil. So say Phil overthrows that ball and uh, he he overthrows it. We we got a corner there that's over top of it that's going to be able to pick it off or bat it down or whatnot. But, I mean, that was just a damn good NFL type of play. Uh, other than that, he's just getting left on an island damn near. And that's, I mean, that's all day. That's a, a slot receiver is licking his chops whenever he sees a safety like that, you know, coming to the box. And, and Josh is a good safety, but it doesn't take a lot of film to notice that, you know, he's not going to be able to cover Zay Flowers in a one-on-one matchup. So, I mean, that was just really, really unfortunate for us. Because, Jacob, would you, 155 yards? 155 yards, two touchdowns um, on just five receptions. But he he gets half of his total on the season in one game against Louisville's corners. And, hey, here's what you can count on, okay? Here's what will be right, 100% mark this. When the NFL draft rolls around in April and Zay Flowers gets drafted in the third round by the New England Patriots and they show his highlight tape and Todd McShay is talking about how dynamic of a player he is, <laughs> you're going to see Josh Minkins a couple of different times on that tape. So welcome back to the annual tradition of Louisville being on everyone's highlight real come draft season. Continue with the defense, Vince. That's man. a real thing, man. I know you're I, a I player. That's I'm a real aware. thing, man. That's I'm a real aware. thing. I'm aware. A tradition unlike any other. Yeah, 
I, I mean, I, I see our guys getting hurdled just as good as you do. I, mean, <laughs> I was just gonna, I was gonna speak on our defense's run fits. It felt like to me, uh, and a lot of the, some of it plays in the coach Brown's hand as well. Uh, that we 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 were outnumbered on a lot of these outside zone runs that BC was running, where it would be three blockers, you know, for three defenders, and all of a sudden it's just a one-on-one matchup. They already gained five yards, and it's a one-on-one head start against the safety. I mean, that's what you want from your running back. That's ideally you tell your running back you get through the first level, and then it's a one-on-one matchup with a safety. You got to make a guy miss, and that's where people get paid and get drafted. So, unfortunately, unfortunately, that's what was happening is we were getting outnumbered a lot, and even then, our guys weren't fitting right. You see guys going in with the wrong shoulder, not punching. I mean, for that's what bothers me a lot is when guys go in and they just duck their shoulder in and try and blow up the block like they're doing more for the play. You're you're not. There are instances where that works, say a tunnel screen, a bubble screen, something like that. The corner comes up, runs through his block, and he disrupts the pass. You've seen Jair do it. You've seen Cottrell do it. You've seen plenty of guys do it. But I hate the fact that they're not punching with their hands, locking out, shedding a block, and going to make a play. You can live with a two- to three-yard game. It's hard to get back a five-, six-yard game. I mean, it just is. The, the, the offense is already playing ahead of the chains. So that was, uh, that was one of the things that was bothering me as well with the defense. Uh, pursuit, and that kind of plays along, plays, you know, right in the hand of that. Uh, you saw guys over-pursuing, and I get it's a wet field, but you should not be over-pursuing to the point to where you're slipping on the ground and falling. And I saw guys under-pursuing, which was, you know, attributed effort, which sucks. I'm sure they – you know, counted a bunch of loaves out there on the field on Saturday from the game, just with guys under pursuing. I hope Satterfield becomes coach 30. We're going to get into this here in a little bit, but if Satterfield can adopt the ego of coach 30 in film sessions on Sundays, <laughs> now that he's in the defensive room. Oh, I just would love it. Scott Satterfield's humor. I I'm not even going to try to attempt what that would look like. Cause it will not be funny, but it would be, if you think about Satterfield pointing out things on film, coach 30 style, hilarious. Continue. And, you know, it, it was a great game for Monty, right? I, I thought what, what Coach Brown did – I could have swore one of the coaches said this is one of his best – the best game of his career. Yeah, and, and he's right. Uh, he's yeah. right. And I can't help but think that we could have did, did more with him. And, and we're talking about Zay Flowers, and I know I'm bouncing all around – bouncing all over the place right now, but one of the things we could have done to stop Zay Flowers is just, you know, run a Tampa 2 and have that Mike linebacker drop straight back. That's what, you know, Monty's a runner. He's a fast guy that we use to, you know, rush the passer. But we clearly saw on Saturday Monty's very comfortable dropping back into coverage and making a play on the ball. That Tampa two spot, I mean, he just had his eyes on two, dropping back to the middle of the field. as the Mike linebacker, eyes on two, which would be Zay Flowers. So you know where he's going. If he breaks out, you don't have to worry about it. If he keeps running vertical, you keep carrying with it, and you got the safety over top. So, I mean, there, there you'd have two guys, you know, not necessarily double-teaming, but you'd be able to vice it very easily and get, you know, high point the ball. That – just the frustrating and not there, – there weren't any adjustments with it. <laughs> it didn't make any sense. It's like they went into the second, you know, the halftime adjustments defensively and were like, good job, and just, you know, kind of left it at that. But I doubt that's what they did. Moving on to the offense. I'm going to start off, you know, on a positive note with these guys. 
Brian Hudson, I think we all can agree, Dude. blocked his ass Ooh. off. I, like oh, I, t- I tweeted, they should have just given him a carry for effort at that point, man. <laughs> he was just out there. I mean, seriously, every time you saw Jawar Jordan or Trevion Cooley in the second, you, you know, in the second part of the field, getting ready to make a move, there's Brian Hudson just freaking mauling somebody, he, he man. He had one the first drive, and it's it's funny because it's the very first drive, and it was almost like he was setting the tone. But he's downfield blocking for, I think, Tyon Evans and one of the – secondary secondary guys comes up to try and make the play and it's like exactly what an off it's an offensive lineman's dream i mean i can only imagine how big brian hudson's eyes were whenever he saw this safety downfield i mean the guy went kind of low on him and hit him almost in the gut and brian just like bodied him over and just tossed him like a little brother it was hilarious it was great he had a good game the rest of the guys not so much so uh we had what? How many turnovers did we have, Jacob? Do you have the stats right there? I can't three. think of it all. Three. So we had three turnovers, guys. How many yeah. of those did we capitalize off of? Yeah, zero. So you're not going to win a game. <laughs> I mean, yeah, great job, guys. We won the turnover battle, but you did nothing with it. You have to do something with it. What's the point of turning the ball over if we're not going to do anything with it? I mean, or what's the point of forcing the other team to turn the ball over if we're not going to do anything with it? And I'm a big fan of us coming out, and once we get a turnover, let's take a shot. Screw running our offense. Screw running all this, you know, whatever. You can run our offense and take a shot at the same time. You know, we've seen it plenty of times over the years. Uh, What else with these offensive guys? Uh, I mean, we can go ahead and start, go to the receivers, because I noted this early on in the game, is that they weren't getting open. And uh, it, it didn't make sense. There were bad routes. It's like, the rain and stuff almost affected the guys mentally to the point to where it was hurting them. Usually, you know, you'd want to be a lot more sound on your routes whenever it's raining and things like that. Think about it a little bit more where you're going and your steps and stuff, obviously not to the point to where it's slowing you down, but it, it seems like we, they just didn't take that into account. We're running bad routes. And I, the one that pops into my head, just talking about it is uh, the Mari Huggins Bruce when he got the penalty. I mean, that's just a bad route. That's you running a bad route and being pissed off and hitting a dude in the helmet because you you got beat. And then it just so happens that he's throwing the ball to you and you have a no-shit moment and you go to make a play on it. And, and now what? They're getting a P.I. on them, but what good is that? <laughs> you know, because you already got the penalty. So that that bothered me. Uh, man, me, I don't know if you guys saw it. I think it was last week or the week before. Uh, I tweeted about the back shoulder passes and I, you know, noted Coach Fitz. Coach, uh, Coach Fitzpatrick, well, but uh, we had another one this past week to Tyler Hudson, and I don't understand why we don't do that more. And uh, Dez mm-hmm. would talk about it often, and you know, plenty of Coach Fitz would talk about it often. Uh, it's not that hard of a ball for our quarterback to throw. Clearly, Malik's. I, I don't. I don't know. We won't be able to stat it up because we don't have the details like that. But if we could stat up Malik's back shoulder throws, I'd feel pretty confident that he's throwing a higher percentage of them this year. And I I don't know why we don't just tighten that splits on that outside wide receiver and just give him the option to do that. That'd be my first look if I were Malik. He's, he should be very confident throwing that ball. Uh, these deep balls they throwing to Mari Huggins-Bruce, they're just so far overthrown. And that's – people can say Malik's, you know, digress or whatever, but that's how he's always been. That's what – Tutu Atwell made him a lot better because he ran a 4-2. I and it shows this the past two years, and there's no getting around it. I mean, you could argue Malik was a damn good deep ball thrower, you know, 
Well, he had two two to just run and be underneath it. Like, yeah, you know. I mean, you could you could argue it in nineteen and twenty because we had two two, and you know, twenty twenty one, you could say, oh well, I mean, the past two years, he's done well, and, you know, it's just a bad year, and now here we are here, and we're like, all right, maybe he can't throw the deep ball as well as we have thought, because there, I mean, there's one ball that to Mari Huggins Bruce that could have been a huge play, touchdown play for us that he just overshot. And uh, yeah, it, it, it wasn't good. And he threw another one into him and Brock both kind of threw the same ball that they're trying to find the sweet spot, in the defense where it ends up triple coverage and they close on it, condense. And it's just not a lot of reading going on out there. Uh, you know, moving on to the last drive where the penalty, where the Mari penalty was and the pass interference on BC, but uh, that last play. I, I believe was a pass interference. Uh, the main thing, my argument behind that, and they didn't show another angle of it, and there's probably a reason they didn't show another angle of it, because whenever I was cl- slow clicking through it on YouTube, it got a little blurry, but it looks like Braden Smith's right arm is getting tied up a little bit by that outside, uh, by the hand of the DB, so he can't get his other arm around to catch that ball. Regardless, it's kind of a ball he's going to have to lay out for it. He's still two or three. I think a yard short of the first down marker. You never know though if he can catch that and make something happen. What could have happened? What that's how right. You know, this whole season has been for us. What could have happened, what should have happened. Mm-hmm. But uh that that's my game notes, guys. It was I mean, we had a great time. We all had a good time the other day at uh, you know, Coach Sats Coach Show. That was that was yeah. fun. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's well, one one thing I'll say uh, you know what's not fun is losing. No, so it's, I it's hate not fun. losing. But, I mean the, more than the I last... like winning. The last three weeks have been great, man. I mean, between Florida State tailgate, I mean, like I said, that that week, top five tailgate, excellent atmosphere, fun tailgate, all that good stuff. South Florida, we had a great time. This past week, we had a great time. So it's been nice. It's just, you know, the the not winning thing is really putting a damper on everything. That's the frustrating part is like when people say you're so close, I mean, Scott Siderfield has, has a contract extension if he can flip these one possession games and instead he's everybody's talking like he's already gone. The one other thing that that stands out to me in this game that I think you're kind of getting at as well, Vince, you know, if you look at the big plays in this game, uh, this is Boston college did the the Louisville, what Louisville has been doing to teams in the Saturday field. Oh yeah. Big shots. That's how we make our money, man. The big plays. So yeah, I have a a stat if that's okay. Yeah. yeah. Bring it out, man. Bring it out. Kelly Dickey, real card game on Twitter says Boston College gained 249 yards on its five biggest plays and 200 yard on the other 52 plays. That's the entire game right there. Another way to frame it from that because I went digging myself. Boston College, out of their 57 total plays, ran 13 of them were chunk plays where it was a rush of at least 10 yards or pass play of at least um, 15 yards. Yeah. That that had. Out of the of the other plays that were not designated as chunk plays, those forty four plays went for forty nine yards. It really is like just a few it's plays here and there. It, so it, 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 you just have to laugh, and when you think about it, because like if you take at least a few, up. if you take away even just a few of these big plays, oh, quite frankly, Louisville's defense is not doing that bad. It's nope, just that no. they. It, Every once in a while, I have these inexplicable moments where either it's due to a horribly blown missed assignment or a just 
completely baffling schematic matchup. I mean, that Wednesday Flowers uh, touchdown, the second one, not the first one where he just got in double coverage. That was just a, a man's man's play. But that That's second one where he, yeah, yeah that, that second one where he caught Josh Minkins in single coverage. I mean, part of my brain, but what the fuck is Josh Minkins doing playing single high where you've got three other defenders guarding a five, 10 yard hitch? Yeah, well, and watch where, came yes, watch where Kendrick Duncan came on that play. Well, Brian Kendrick Brown Duncan came from the other side, the other he came from the other safety down in the box whenever the ball was snapped and then goes, like you just said, Matt, three guys for two people in the flats. You had a guy running a curl, a 10 yard curl in a flat. And it's like you, Brian Brown answered why that was. He, he literally told the media why he said he thought run. I thought I was thinking yeah. run. That's what he said on that play is I'm thinking run. Uh, that's and I don't an undisciplined football play. team. That's bad eyes. You should know it's pass yeah. right there. Like, I mean, Aiden, Aiden, this is this part is kind of anecdotal. I'm sure this, there's a stat for it, but 85 percent of the time it seems that like Louisville's defense is either you know, keeping defenses in check, whether it's due to schematic uh, matchup or like people like putting forth the effort. But that other 15 percent is what costing them games. Yeah, it's like the I don't know if you remember. This is the second office reference of the night. But Presley, you remember this? The graph that Jim Halpert pulls up of Michael Scott. Uh, and it's 98% goofing off and 2% critical thinking. And it's yeah, the tiniest yeah. little Louisville is 98%. I don't even know where you would put the 98%, but Louisville is 90% critical thinking, 10% shit in their pants. Yeah, right. I mean, it's just like like blowing blowing uh, snot bubbles. I mean, I hear I have a couple of more. This is a, this is like not not fun, but it is kind of fun because I could just I have five pictures in a row here. Uh, this is from Andy Backstrom on Twitter. BC rushed for 144 yards against Louisville. They had combined for 128 yards on the ground in their first three games against Power 5 opponents this season. Boston College, this is from Mark Blankenbaker, the sheriff. Boston College was averaging 4.32 yards per play going into Saturday's game. They averaged 7.9 yards per play against Louisville. So, I mean, it's just like – it's I got, like I, got a and I, I cannot stress enough, and I am still – adamant about this day. Boston College's offensive line is garbage. The fact that this offensive line was able to get pushed against this Louisville front seven, which collectively has the kind of hit or miss, but has individual guys who are have talent. Yaya Diaby's yeah. having a career year. Des Tell is doing his job like eating blocks, freeing up the DNs and the linebackers to, to, do, to do well. I mean, Ashton Gelati, he's kind of struggled from an injury standpoint, but he's not impactful. Montgomery, best game of his career. Momo Snogo looked tons better in run support in this game. Individually, guys in this game, like, did okay. But collectively, this Louisville front seven, I'm sorry, even got worked at the point of attack by one of the worst offensive lines, not just in the power five, but in FBS football. And so here's the perfect transition into the next part of the show. I want to spend a couple of minutes talking about the the atmosphere right now okay and we um we did a, a, a i kind of mentioned it earlier but we did a show there's a two-pack of shows out right now this one and we did an interview with tyler griever of whs 11 where we kind of talked about some of the scott satterfield era issues more in depth and we've talked about um how we ended up here that's the question i asked tyler is just just give me the the, the synopsis of how we ended up here uh, and and a quick way of of kind of describing you know obviously you lose the game against florida state you start out with Syracuse really struggle, but this game is an equivalent of Air Force last year. This game is an equivalent of Kentucky. It has sped the timeline up. We have now moved into the territory where 
Uh, Louisville is 0-3 in the conference. Uh, if they lose on Saturday, they will likely not win a conference game this season. That's the very real possibility that Louisville fans, uh, including us here, will have to accept as reality. If you can't beat the four easiest teams in the conference on your schedule, you're definitely not beating the next four hardest on your schedule. Uh, so Louisville is going to likely encounter that in a little bit of a way. Um, and overall, there's really no sense of anything that would give you optimism that they're going to get this turned around. Now, um, I think Louisville has a um, – uh, they have the opportunity to to save – Scott Scatterfield has the opportunity to save his to save his job. Um, and, and, and let me just kind of establish a baseline here. His job is very much on the line, okay? And we and – we, I think for the first time I saw this on Twitter by multiple people. Uh, Vince, you, you have seen him up and close in, in person in, in lots of, uh, you know, meetings with the teams and meetings with position groups. So this is – you've seen the, the emotional Satterfield. But for the first time, I heard a little – uh, a little frog in his throat. I heard a little bit of an of an emotion of a reality setting in that the doors are closing in. Now he has not entered what I will call self preservation mode yet. There has not been uh, the the typical one two step of coaches on the hot seat, which is a coordinator fire uh, or a delegation of play calling from themselves. I think those are the next couple of cards. But what we learned Tuesday was, and I've never seen so many people ask, "What well, you're going to sit in on the cornerback room a little bit more? What's the reason?" You're going to be with the safeties a little bit more. Is it going to make them better? I'm like, guys, he just he's just going to sit with them. Just quit. Ask something different, man. Like, let's just ask another question. We get it. Like, he's it's 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 not the best answer, but it, they're trying something new. And like you said at the end, we're not winning games. We got to figure something out. But here's the conversation, okay? Let's just kind of set the scene. They go in 0-3. Virginia is a team with a dynamic quarterback pro- projected to be, I think, with the ACC player of the year. Right? Was he not, or the ACC he, offensive he, he player of the year? No, he he was, I believe, Armstrong was third. Yeah. Okay. So point being, you know, there's definitely there's talent from Virginia. The quarterback can absolutely hurt Louisville. They have some of the best skill position players. So Molly Cunningham, we don't know if he's going to play. Uh, Brock Doman, by all accounts, seems like a good kid. Not sure what he really um, is going to be able to do to elevate an already struggling offense. So. Um, Louisville is going up against a, a group that they have the understanding of what to do against Louisville. The former defensive coordinator from Air Force who played a role in helping Air Force beat Louisville is now a defensive coordinator for Virginia. Uh, so here we are. Freaking <laughs> Taylor Lamb, one of Seth. Yes, yeah. All-time dude, th- best this quarterbacks team, of the App State. Is we're going to get into coach for Virginia. The reason why I think Louisville is going to likely go 0-4 is because of those two things. There's familiarity all over the place with And with Anthony Johnson still over there with the play. Bingo. There's the trifecta. Boom, 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 boom. You got an App State connection, you got a Louisville connection, and you got a coaching connection from a, pre- a previous team that beat Louisville. So the Presby's there for Louisville to start 0-4. Presley did a great job this week. Um, I, I love – I just bring Presley on at this point to just build his ego up. Like, that's just what this is. Because every week he's got an article that I'm just like he, – he blew the top off of it again, and, and he did so with the financials and telling the story of why this coaching decision is not so cut and dry. It's not as simple as just Josh Hurd going in and, and giving him a good old Vince McMahon, you're fired. Like, we're not there because of this, the financial situation. But at the same time, fellas – he is putting Josh Hurd in a situation where, much like with Chris Mack last year, you may not have a choice but to do something midseason. So, open discussion here. Thoughts across the board. Who wants to jump in and just add anything? I know you mentioned earlier about one of the classic moves of a coach who's trying to save his ass and prevent being fired is, you know, like fire coordinator. And 
I think we've, we've sort of seen that in a way kind of play out the past week because we've seen that Satterfield is extremely loyal to Brian Brown. And I think ultimately we haven't seen that come to pass yet. But I mean, that could ultimately be one of the thing, one of the biggest factors to his ultimate undoing. We'll see by the end of the season how that plays out. But he's already saying that he wants to sit in, be more involved with defense and special teams to just – at his own perspective and kind of in that same breath give Lance Taylor like some share of the play calling which apparently Lance Taylor had called plays at some point in the season that we didn't know I want to know what plays I want to know what exact plays I need a list of the exact game the exact down I need some I need to get some some research going here we've kind of seen the precursor to that the the shuffling of coaching responsibilities is almost like a precursor to firing the coordinators because if the shuffling of the responsibilities doesn't work I mean ultimately the next move you can make a case is to fire someone because I mean we heading into this season this we've established this many times in this podcast at this point this is a talented team this team has the pieces maybe not to contend for the top of the Atlantic division because we all know that's going to be Clemson but threaten NC State, threaten Wake Forest for maybe second or third in the division. This team has the talent to compete with that, and it's not being reflected on the field. This team should be 4-1 right now, if you ask me. They're 2-3 and three and winless in conference play, and they are, st- and they are staring 0-4, and, and you're, you've only played one of your five toughest ACC teams on the schedule up to this point. You're very realistically staring one and seven, two and six, or God forbid, oh and eight in the ACC. It is a possibility. It's all real. I mean, it's a reality. It's it's firm on the table at this point. As much as we don't want to think about it, I mean, look look at the next four games. Let's not take Virginia out of the equation for a second. But the four ACC games after that, you got Pitt. Pitt's shown flaws. I mean, they're mortal. I mean, but Pitt still has talent. Just lost to Georgia Tech. Yeah, that's the most winnable game after that, most likely. Wake Wake seems like they're rebounding because their their defense, which has been their biggest bugaboo over the last season and a half, looked damn good against Florida State. And then you got Clemson and NC State, but which I'm sorry, they're not winning either of those games. And that's what we talked about with Tyler is it's non-negotiable at this point, in my opinion. It's you have to win four out of those final six games. You have to. You will not be able to save your job uh, at this point without doing so, because I think anything less than five games is going to end in Scott Satterfield likely losing his job. Um, and yes, the recruiting situation comes into play. And we just saw news come out today that there's going to be, you know, guys like Ruben Bain, a four-star defensive lineman coming to visit. There's still recruiting buzz around Louisville um, on the recruiting trail despite losses. But um, I think that at the end of the day, you have to take the product on the field more uh, into consideration than you do the recruiting success because at the at the end of the day the same coaches are going to be coaching new players and now you have four yeah. years of coaching data to show you it's just not good enough but at the same time what, what I was going to say to Matt's point is you're asking Satterfield then to go and do th- something he's never done which is beat a ranked team that's not Wake Forest that that's not something he's ever done at Louisville so you're talking about we need to reinvent this program and this team over the next two weeks 
I mean, the bye week could not have come at a better time, depending on what happened Saturday. But this is a John Calipari wrinkle type situation. Like, and I joke, I jokingly say that, but like, Sat's got to come out with a new strategy after uh, against Pittsburgh. Like that, I don't know if you just go full wildcat. Like, I don't know what you. I'm just throwing ideas out. Obviously, I don't want that. Yeah, throw, just all of a sudden your air raid offense. Spread it out. Spread no them out. Tight ends, nothing. We're using all our receivers. Yeah. I, so I mean, I like, say uh, platoons. Platoon swaps. Yeah, eleven just, on, eleven off. And even the quarterback. Everybody. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I, yeah. um, I kind of, oh, I'm with. I liked what Matt said uh, right there. Going back to his point, where he was uh, saying the shuffling of duties is kind of like a precursor to somebody possibly getting getting the boot. Uh, I, I mean. That might be his saving grace right there, you know. And he it might could, have very to, well could he be. might he might have to ride that out, the shuffling thing. If he could ride that out all the way to the end of the year, and then, you know, depending on what happens, that might be the time to, you know, that's where the athletic department might come to him and give him an ultimatum that I talked to you guys about, Jacob and Presley, uh last night, where it's like, hey, we either gotta do something here with the defensive side of the ball or uh we're we're gonna move on ourselves. So yeah, that, it, I mean it, that's kind of like what I, that's where my mind is going more towards. I personally, I think Sad will be back next year. Where I mean, if he wins four, if he wins five, I I think he'll be back because I think this recruiting class is yeah, and that's where we kind of are. You can't, to break it, you can't break it up. You can't you can't do that. You just we have two good of guys coming in. It's program changing talent. I, it's program changing talent. That's and, the, the argument for Vince. And it, roll it and roll the dice with him next year. You get a quarterback in who can throw the ball. You but he's a freshman. You get I don't care if he's six. I know. Years old. I know. After this point, you're gonna have because Conley's running out of eligibility too, right? So yeah. he's gone. Yeah. I don't yeah. think he's really an option anymore at this point because it seems the injuries brought up to him. And then then you've got Pierce Clarkson, which as good as he is, is a freshman. And then you've got Caleb Johnson, which unknown reason is just not getting playing time. Well, all. Scott like, Satterfield he, said at the coaches' said to that, we're not going to see Caleb Johnson this year. Yeah, I don't so, get it. You've squandered an opportunity. You've squandered I, I don't either. But then, so you've got the two quarterbacks there. I think whether it's Satterfield, whether it's any other coach coming in, I really do think this is a situation where whoever they opt to go at quarterback in 24 – 23 could be a bridge year when you bring in a transfer quarterback. But, I mean, obviously that's looking way farther down the line. But. Yeah, he's never recruited. And I think this game against Virginia exposes the fact that the recruiting quarterback situation is ugly. It's a very ugly situation. Like, yeah, Chubba Purdy never came here. T-Webb transferred. Um, they've had, you know, Luke McCaffrey come here and play for a cup of coffee. It's been just a revolving door of quarterbacks. And then you have Evan Conley um, and you have Brock Doman and no offense to Brock, like Brock has grinded to get to this point, um, you he's know, multiple, answer. multiple Jucos, but no, he's not the answer at quarterback. And so um, your six year quarterback's not playing well. Now he's injured. Uh, and you're talking about what are you doing at quarterback? And it's just another kind of um, not in, in the belt of anyone who says that Scott Satterfield should be fired. Like it's literally, he's, he's giving them the ammo at this point because you're not seeing the development. You're not seeing all these mm. things that you kind of expected to see, uh, especially this year. I mean, I, I think that if you had asked, no, no, I, not even, I think, I know that if, if you had asked us six months ago, did we think Caleb Johnson would be the backup and would be playing when Malik went down? I would think we yes, all would have said yes. Yeah. yeah. And he enrolled in the spring. Like it's a, it, it's a, to me, it's a joke that he's not ready to play. We should be further along at this point with guys like that, that are talented enough to play. Presley, I want to come to you, right? So the fans are saying, 
Um, you know, and everyone's got their own opinion. I'm not telling anybody what to think, but a lot of fans are saying, yo, we want Jeff Brom. Let's make it happen. Fire sat tomorrow. Jeff's ready to come. He was ready to come uh, last year. Tyra had him hired, but it just fell through. And then you have a, a group of fans saying, hey, um, I think you should go hire uh, Dave Ragone, or I think you should go hire a, a, an up-and-coming uh, coordinator. What What is it uh, from Louisville's standpoint that's really going to kind of guide their decision to fire Scott Satterfield in a quick, uh, non-nerdy financial way? Yeah, yeah, sure. And I, I mean – First of all, for anyone who has read the article and those who have reached out to me, people who have reached out to me or people who I've seen have actually read the article has been shocking and, and humbling, to be honest. The majority of, of the feedback, a lot of people want to know, like, like how, how did how did this come to be? Like what like how did this come about? And I mean, there's not a there, there are very few universities in the country, Louisville notwithstanding that can handle the the brunt of, of what's happened over the last five to six years. And I think that people don't take that into consideration enough. Um, when you look at the, the penalties that are going to be levied in basketball by the IARP, whatever they are, it's already adding insult to injury because the, the punishment has been served. Uh, you, you've punished the basketball team for long enough that, you know, you have, you have, you've just lost out on, on recruits over and over again. I mean, and that was a huge thing in the Chris Mack era. He knew what he was coming into, but ultimately, you know, you can't recruit at the level to win a national championship right now. You just can't. Uh, and you can't recruit at the, at the, and I know we're talking basketball, but it all ties together. Um, you know, Louisville's obviously two biggest revenue generators are, are football and basketball, and they have not had the success in either sport to yield uh, fine financial gains that can ultimately pay for $40 million in coaching and stadium naming rights and everything else that comes with it buyouts. Louisville basketball's attendance was the worst that it's been since like the sixties last year. And that's coming off a season where you had COVID um, you know, th there's just, there's so many situations that have just piled onto each other that Louisville no longer has the luxury of just saying, okay, Scott Satterfield's not getting it done. Let's go, let's go find somebody else. And yes, people from the outside could come in and say, well, you're not a respectable program. You, you don't think highly, of you, highly enough of yourself. And I hear people, the number one response that I've heard people say, and, and including you guys too, is, is, well, they'll find the money. That's, that's not a thing. It, it's been a thing for 25 years, but that's not a thing. That's not steeped in reality. When you don't have the money, you, you, can, you cannot afford to, 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 <laughs> to pay a buyout. I mean, let, let's be honest, Scott Satterfield's buyout if he were to be fired on January 1st, it's going to be $4.875 million. And there are, there is wording, there's language in his contract that's, that stipulates that if he was to find another job, which I'm not sure, I, I think he would probably land on his feet in some capacity, but, okay. but that, that job would, would kind of counteract, it would go against uh, the payments that Louisville were to owe. So let's say it was just a six-year buyout that they were, they were able to negotiate that. It'd be about $800,000 a year. I don't think that Scott Satterfield is going to find a job where he's making $800,000. So you're going to be paying the man regardless when he leaves. Additionally, if you want to bring in a coach, you want to bring in somebody that's better than Scott Satterfield. At this juncture, Louisville cannot afford to do that. At this juncture, Louisville cannot afford to, to hire any coach in any sport that makes more money than Scott Satterfield does. Scott Satterfield makes $3.25 million. That's well above the, the or well below the, the power five average. So really what you're asking Louisville to do is bring in a coach 
that's going to be more successful than Scott Satterfield, but do it for less money. And that's, that's not possible. Um, no, if you, unless if you, you catch ready, lightning in a bottle with a coordinator, like you, you do with you would have to, you would have to get very lucky. And so when you're going down this road, when you're having these discussions, you got to have to find, uh, you know, I, I'm thinking, um, I, I don't know why I'm blanking on his name at, at the Atlanta Falcons right now. Dave Dave Ragone. I'm sorry. I kept wanting to say Steph on the floors. It's the left-handed quarterback thing. Um, but, <laughs> but regardless, like you're going to have to find somebody like that. So uh, the reason why I think that Dave Ragone is, is a win-win because he's an, he's an offensive coordinator in the NFL. He's worked his way up. He has the experience. He only makes, according to the internet, I, I still don't believe this. He makes 400,000 a year. If you look up uh, the offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators in the NFL, they make, most of them make under a million dollars a year. Like the coordinators, the high level coordinators and at the college football level are making almost two million a year. Like yeah. if you look at Alabama, Georgia, Florida, like the, the college coaches make a lot more money. I mean, Dabo Sweeney and and uh and Nick Saban are making like 10, 12 million a year. Um so, players. It, but Louisville, like Louisville doesn't have anything that that even remotely competes with that money. But a lot of it has to do with Number one, you've changed. This is your third regime since since Jurich. Like you include Jurich, right? Over the last seven years, you know you've had the Jurich administration, you've had the Tyree administration, uh, and, and now you have the Josh Hurd administration. Additionally, the you know each, each one of those programs, the, the program is going to be ran differently under each one of those people. The the administrations are going to think differently about the way that they handle money, and they're going to develop relationships with the boosters in, in a different manner. As Vince Tyree is a businessman. He knows how to handle a financial ledger, and he was perfect for what happened during the COVID situation, right? Where most programs were hemorrhaging money. Scott's or Vince Tyree was able to make the tough decisions, lay people off that need to be laid. And I don't know if you guys remember this during COVID; it was a big deal. There's a big stand. Yeah, the furloughs, yeah, made about it. That other people were like, "Oh, well, these people are holding on." Well, Louisville couldn't afford to do that, uh, and, and and Louisville got by enough that they, they only really essentially lost about three million dollars during COVID. Which is amazing. That's a, that we should give That's Vince Tyree a standing ovation because he he absolutely deserves wh- whatever we think about that man in 10, 20 years down the road. I give him a standing o for getting rid of Bobby. It, it, he, <laughs> Vince Tyree, he look, he was the perfect bridge because number one, he he handled things in a kind of in, in the way that, that one of us would handle it, right? Like he's like he's cussing in interviews, he's like you know, like giving like middle fingers to the camera, like and the, and the day do now, like like remember the picture of him with his thighs out in the fi- yes. in front of the fireplace. Like he he kind of like played into it from the fan side. Um, you know, he got the alley going, the crashers are on the table, that whole thing. Like there was there was just uh there were a number of things that he did right, but all the administrations, right? They handle things and look at things differently. And so it's going to take time for them to settle in to develop new relationships with boosters. You have to consider that the Jurich administration, all of his cronies, all of his buddies, all of the guys that he had kind of in, as his right-hand men, all of his boosters that he could rely on when he needed help, and the administration. You got to consider that when he was working with, with James Ramsey, they were helping him whenever there were issues. They were like, you know, like when uh, when it, the third op- office rep- reference of, of, of the, the episode Whenever, uh, whenever Andy was out on the boat and Dwight was making sales at lower cost and going and do 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 and stamping the the paper and saying, "Oh, thank you, Mister Sue, thank you very much," and doing the <laughs> transaction. That's kind of what was happening with the administration with Jurich. 
So like, you know, and this happens, you know, at, at yeah, I could see I like at. I could see George. Remember the video of Jimmy Butler where they hand him the stats and he's like dancing and he rips them up and he throws them away. That's yes. that's George. Anytime he gets 100%. an invoice or a bill, <laughs> he ruled with I said this in an article, but he ruled with an iron fist. You know, he what he said would go and he was able to uh, essentially, you know, have everyone kind of in his alley on on his side. I don't know if in is in his alley a thing. In, in his alley, I don't think that's a thing. <laughs> I think I just got Ooh, the alley. I just yeah. got the alley in my head. Um, but but regardless, he he had he was able to to have people on his side and and to even to this day defend him and say that he deserves a, a second chance. And so a lot of those big name boosters, a lot of people in this area that do have money that could ultimately help out are, are, are not going to. Um, and, and so it's going to take a while for this administration to kind of redevelop those relationships. Um, yeah. So, and, and, and so when, when people say, oh, well, they'll find the money, that's much easier said than done. And when you talk about, you know, I, I remember when, you know, Tim Sullivan would get a lot of information about Louisville's financials and he would he would post a lot. He even does now after he's gone from the courier, he would post a lot of things like, oh, well, you know, Louisville has had a lot of. Uh, uh, money coming in from from Planet Fitness and LGE and 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 you know this that or the other local companies, but in reality, and you know I kind of go in, into detail with this as well. That's not money that Louisville can just spend on a coaching buyout, right? Those are allocated funds. Those are those are funds that are dedicated for those specific projects, right? So when you have somebody dedicate money to Denny Crum Hall, that is money that can only be spent. On Denny Crum Hall. If you have, if the Planet Fitness wants to take over for the Baby Yum Center and be the Kieber Center, then that money is going towards that building, towards that what it's allocated for. The general funds, the money that's coming in from boosters, from revenue, um, from TV contracts, that sort of stuff, that's the money that Louisville needs to keep flowing in. And un- unfortunately, that's just not there right now. But it, what it, about the what about the annual ACC money? But what about the TV money? Like, how does right. that how does that factor into that? Because you think so, what are they getting thirty million a, a year from the ACC? Is that crazy? Right, right. That so it, it works just like a typical budget would work, right? So if you know you're going to get X amount per paycheck, just imagine that that amount just coming in one time each year in June, right? Yeah, and, and just being gone. It's it's being gone as soon as it comes in. Yes. Essentially, so so Louisville, Louisville has its financial ledger. They have. I know that. I know that life well. They have. Not, yeah, exactly. It's not exactly, to that dollar amount though. But it's like exactly five bucks, what you're doing gone. on your laptop at home. It's exactly what you're doing on your computer at work. It, it's, it they got a they got a virtual wallet. Manner. Does Louisville it, use a virtual think, wallet account? Well, I think know? Louisville. Yeah, they might actually bank a republic. So uh, have we okay. down, downloaded that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but regardless, you know there are people you know, working with spreadsheets at Louisville too. Yeah. Um, and, and so there's already, <laughs> there's already money dedicated to go to certain places and there's a lot less of it when each year you're paying out, you know, $200,000 of Tom Jurich, $2 million to Papa John, which is still in, in, insane and asinine to me. But, but that, but Louisville fans wanted them to do the right thing and they right, did the right, right thing, but it comes and, with and, a and price so, tag because price tags have legal back legal binding documents. You can't just go they, take a name off the building and say, see you later. F wad. Yeah. Like, it doesn't work like that. You got to pay. So wild. I, I remember him revving his engine room, room right there in Papa John. Uh, yeah, right. Just said some stuff you can't say. And, uh, and and the rest is history. So, I mean, yeah, there, there's I mean, there's a lot more that goes into it than that. But basically, yeah. your initial question was essentially, 
How does it, how is it guided? What's going to guide that decision? And you just laid that out perfectly. I I was about to say, I mean, the, the, the other thing that that guides the decision, you know, I mean, a lot of people have been like, well, you know, if there's 10,000 people in the stands, regardless, it doesn't matter. That's like saying like, um, I already paid my season ticket money. Yeah. yeah. I'm not getting that back. Exactly. They already got your money, bro. They got our money, man. If you, yeah. if you don't show up, they could not care less. Financially, they couldn't care less. And they're like, oh, well, what about concession profits? Yeah, like your, your you know, $4 beers on the party deck. That's really going far to pay the buyout, bro. Congratulations. It's You, you know, like, it, it's just people's logic behind stuff. When when, when numbers get into, and, I, and I, I've told people this for a long time now, when numbers get into the millions, people just start acting like dummies. Like, they just start acting like it's just, like, made up, like, just throw it around yeah and it's like you know people it's true if you make say you make you're doing good for yourself you make a hundred thousand dollars a year right it's 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 difficult to conceptualize a hundred million dollars a year like Mm -hmm. it's just really hard to understand the 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 differences and so that was kind of what i just attempted to kind of to kind of break down is there there's so much that goes into things behind the scenes a lot more than than people understand and it's not easy to just say, oh, well, you can get the money. Uh, I mean, yes, in the past, that might have been the case. But that's not that's not the case now. And Louisville's not a Texas. They're not a Nebraska. They're not a, a Florida State. They're not a, you know, name the top 20, 25 schools in the country. There, there isn't that magical sugar daddy booster that's just going to come out and give, give them $10 million, $15 million a year. That person doesn't exist. And they will not exist. I mean, and, and uh, what they're gonna have Jack Harlow, you know, throw money out of an airplane or something. What if Jack Harlow paid Scott Satterfield's buyout, dude? What? What about that, man? What yeah. about that? I'll donate this X amount of money, but y'all gotta let me do it how I want to do it. You don't want to buy Satterfield out in from a game, just throwing hundred dollar bills out. As we've learned today, that's that's an allocated fund. So yeah, if he wanted to, I, I guess he, he Jack Harlow. Um, not now, but if you're listening in a couple of weeks and it keeps going this way, we may we may need you, bro. You, Bryson, ESTG, you, this newfound fame, Louisville people, we need your help potentially. Not now. Not now. now. I mean, what, and plus these these type of super boop, super boosters barely exist. Super boost. Shut up. <laughs> these type of super boosters barely exist under the George regime to begin with. I mean, yeah. you had Osley Brown Frazier and a couple other corp, uh, high dollar corporate donors. But that was really it. This isn't like a Texas where you got oil execs galore. Like, yeah. this isn't, I know people are going to hate me for saying this, but this isn't like Kentucky where the um, horse money. What's the no. word I'm looking is for? That a thing? Uh, is where that the, horse money? Where the endowment is ah. so much bigger. Uh, like, Louisville doesn't have that kind of money. I and, mean, people would say, well, they're not a serious program, and you can say all you want. I love that. That's such a great, what, like, I, we're getting clowned for our program it. not having any so money. So let me stop that going into, like, I mean, I'm sure he's seen or ran into Dr. Mark and Cindy Lynn or any of these big-time boosters who have pulled money. But what's stopping him and, like, just having a real-ass conversation with him and be like, look, y'all, we need y'all. We, we uh, I mean, you. I can promise you, I mean, from hearing people what Josh assholes. heard and from hearing what all the people in the administration have said publicly – um, you know, those are conversations that are had. And I mean, it, it, perfect example, Dr. Lynn, he was giving $8 million a year to the school and to the, to the athletic program. And he took that money 
and allocated it to a local hospital instead. So that so people when they have chances, people like that have to invest their money somehow. You have to show that you're you're spending money, you're donating, so that they can get the tax credits in order to to you know continue to make more money in the future. Um, so that that money does need to be spent. Um, it, it, it's just uh, you know it, it's just a situation where they're just spending it in other ways. Fourth office reference of the show, and we will go into a commercial break on this. Right now, the Louisville fan who thinks it's as simple as just find money are the Michael Scott paper company uh, with the accountant asking the accountant to crunch the numbers again. And the accountant says, beep, boop, beep, boop. Can't, still can't afford a, a delivery driver. A That's crunch. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Uh, all right, so we will come back uh, on the other side of the show, and we're going to talk Virginia and what to expect on Saturday for Louisville, uh, which is to expect the unexpected. Um, and we'll talk about Brennan Armstrong. We'll talk about the defense. We'll talk about Brian Brown. Will Scott Satterfield be the defensive play caller? All those things. We're Obviously, I'm just kidding. Uh, but we'll dive into what that's going to look like on the other side. But before we do that, mentioned it already in the show, uh, support us by supporting our partners. Kern's Corner is the spot where you need to be for college football, college basketball, horse racing, all of it. They are uh, an absolutely great bar. Uh, if you want a drink, if you want some bar food, the burger, the chili, it's all great. I would encourage you to check that out in the Highlands Kearns Corner. We will be out there uh, hopefully in a couple of weeks with a live show um, as we continue around the corner here to the midway point of the season and down the back stretch. Uh, stick around. We'll talk Virginia on the other side. Virginia football is not what, uh, and I said this about Boston College last week, so I'm going to probably curse the, the little football program saying it again this week, but they're not what they were <laughs> over the last couple of years. Uh, they've got a new head coach in Tony Elliott, which is uh, the former offensive coordinator at Clemson. Um, they've got Brennan Armstrong back. They've got uh, one of the best groups of skill position players. They've got a really stout uh, front seven. Uh, but, but here at this point in the season, they, much like Louisville, um, have struggled to find victories. Uh, they've struggled with teams they shouldn't struggle with. I mean, their their two wins are against Richmond and Old Dominion at this point. So you're talking about a football team that's not very good. Um, and this is a, a fight to be the not worst team in the ACC. So just starting like with this, um, here's kind of where I'm at with this. I, I don't feel confident about this game for a couple of reasons. And we talked about this in the beginning of the show. The familiarity with Louisville specifically on this staff is alarming. Uh, and one thing is that Louisville has always been predictable under Scott Satterfield. Um, they've done a lot of the same things. When you get them in a situation, you think they're going to do one thing or you think you might, they might, uh, we think they're going to do something different, but they go back and they do the same thing. They're in situations constantly where they're predictable. And you're talking about quarterback coach and Taylor Lamb being one of Scott Satterfield's best quarterbacks in history at App State. So a guy who knows him inside and out from an offense and defense standpoint. Uh, you're talking about, and I don't have his name in front of me, but Air Force's defensive coordinator, who, which it is one game, but obviously spent a lot of time preparing for Louisville. Yeah, they beat they the took, shit out of us in that one game. <laughs> they took care of Louisville. Yeah, it wasn't much yeah. of a problem for them. Um, call it what you will with injuries and all that, but Louisville was uh, the, on the opposite side of, of winning there and a, a game they should have won. Um, and then you've got, uh, you know, Anthony Johnson, which is a former Louisville starting defensive back who uh, is a great fit at Virginia. So you're talking about, three people who are starters, coaches uh, that have familiarity with Louisville and what they're going to do well is they're going to get after the quarterback well on defense. They're going to be able to stop the run fairly well on defense. They've got, uh, like I said, a, a pretty stout front seven. They play fast. They're physical. They still kind of have that Brocco Mendenhall defensive mentality to them. Um, but where they've struggled is offense, and that's where the opportunity for Louisville exists defensively to bounce back. Here's the question. Do they – do we think they can? Do we think that at this point they are going to get it together and not give up the 75-yard play? 
I mean, I don't blame anybody who doesn't think so, but what, what do you guys think? Uh, well, before I even get into that part, I just want to give a, just a kind of a pseudo quick breakdown on Virginia. I mean, it's, it's crazy how different they are from actually like you just previously touched upon. I mean, last year they had one of the best offenses in all of college football. They could point, put on points and hang with anyone offensively speaking. They had one of the most dynamic offenses in all of the game. And I don't want to say they're at the complete opposite end of the spectrum because they're not the worst in football, but they're not good. We, we saw how big of an impact that OC Robert and I had, who's now at Syracuse, and what kind of miracle work he's provided with Virginia. Because at Virginia, during his six years there, it's no coincidence that uh, Virginia's three best quarterbacks in program history in terms of passing touchdowns all came under his tutelage. And now he goes to Syracuse, and now look at how – well, Garrett Trader was, who last year couldn't throw the ball more than 15 yards on the field. So, and not, that's not to say that not Brennan Armstrong is like that because he's still very much a good weapon through the air, but we've seen him kind of struggle a little bit in this new offensive scheme that's a little bit more NFL based with a, I can't remember their offensive coordinator's name off the top of my head, but it, that's how their team is pretty much set up versus how Robert and I's is. And that's still coming with two of his better receivers from last year, Keith uh, on Thompson and Octavion Wicks. I mean, they're still their two leading receivers on the air, but, I mean, they it's not like they lost a ton of talent offensively, but where they did lose talent is kind of like Boston College. They lost a lot of guys up front. And now their offensive line is not nearly as bad, but, I mean, it's still not great, per se. And then, then you look at defense. It's the complete opposite of what their offense was last year. They're, the offense was putting up points that could hang with anyone. The defense couldn't hang with anyone. They, they, were, they couldn't stop the next lead. And now, not to say that defense is their calling card because it's still not, like, elite per se, but just from a statistical standpoint, their defense has made tremendous strides. It legitimately was one of the worst in football last year, and now it's their 52nd overall in total defense at 355 uh, yards given up per game. And a lot of that, like you said, Jacob, is dictated by their front seven. They're getting three sacks a game, which is 18. They're getting six tackles for loss per game, which is 56, which is it's, it's okay, but better than they were last year. And they've got several guys in that front seven who can get in the backfield. Um, Aaron Famui, who's got six and a half tackles for loss, three and a half sacks. Chico Bennett, Georgia Tech transfer, four and a half tackles for loss, four sacks. I mean, they have dudes in that front seven who have the ability to penetrate through an offensive line and disrupt the backfield. So they're, while their defense – isn't going to be the best Louisville's going to face in the ACC all year. It's still one that they very much have to take into account too. It's absolutely worst case scenario for Louisville. No Malik Cunningham potentially. Uh, and then you're talking about Trevion Cooley and uh, uh, Tyon Evans, both potentially not being available and even potentially Jalen Mitchell. So you're talking about this is a game to- where three of their five starship backs might not be able to play. Yeah. And so there's quite injuries. frankly, it's their top three backs. <laughs> Yeah, injuries all over the place. So for Louisville, you're not even going to be, you know, likely at full health. Um, but, you know, on, on the other note, Virginia has been pretty piss poor on offense. I mean, it's almost like if you remember back to when Cragthorpe came in after the Orange Bowl uh, victory for Louisville and took over and Louisville's offense, even with Brian Brom and some of those guys still back, they looked like they just didn't know how to play football at times. Like they just – everything was off like the the uh, an offense that had no be- business being broken was broken by a new coach 
And I don't know if in Virginia's case here, it's more of just trying to get their footing under Tony Elliott, whether it's, you know, Tony Elliott's not a very good coach, or maybe this just isn't the schematic fit for him that he kind of envisions long-term. But regardless, this offense has the firepower and the tools in all the areas where Louisville is weak to expose Louisville. And that's what makes me nervous is even if Malik Cunningham plays, I just don't know if they are good enough to stop these receivers uh, and keep Virginia's defense from making plays in, in both the, the front seven and in the, in the secondary. That's exactly what I was going to say, Jacob, because they have, they have the weapons and I want you guys to brace yourself for this. Okay. So they have all, they have all the big play weapons that, like a Zay Flowers that have hurt Louisville and they have big receivers, which we know apparently is a big deal. Tall um, guy. They, they got some tall guys. Okay. So we know about Keontae Thompson and Dontavious Wicks, right? Okay. But they're six, four and six, one respectively. I think Wicks plays much larger, larger than six, one. I question that, that, uh, that height listing. But there's a guy on this team that's right behind them named LaBelle Davis. LaBelle Davis. Yep. And he is six foot seven. Oh, sound familiar? And he has, he has 21 catches this year for 240. No, wait, 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 wait. 10 catches for 241 yards, which, quick math, 24.1 yards per reception. Uh, <laughs> that sounds like a massive problem for Louisville. That sounds like that's a pretty damn nightmare. Good. He was just streaking across the middle like, like a like a Josh Trichester, Mario Yerudia hybrid and just snagging everything in his, in his uh, vicinity. And uh, that scares me with when you got Cottrell Clark, Jarvis Brownlee and, uh, and Quincy Riley and, and your, you know, a bunch of guys that are about six one um, in your secondary. Yeah. And, you know, and kind of God forbid he gets, he, I mean, I, I think that Josh Minkins is going to be a decent player for us uh, for Louisville. Um, but I, I, I fear him getting matched up on receivers like that. And look, I mean, this might be a situation where Louisville's going to have to play a lot more zone and they're going to have to, they're going to might play some more with uh, uh, three cornerbacks as they did um, early in the season, uh, because you have three receivers that they're probably going to start and line up that goes six, seven, six, four, six, one, that plays a lot bigger than six, one. And they're going to be lining up against that secondary um, Louisville trusted the secondary last week to play a lot of man and thought that they were going to be able to get to the quarterback and they didn't, and they got torched. Uh, and, and so that worked against central Florida, probably the best called game, uh, in the Brian Brown era, but that's because they had a quarterback who couldn't make the throws, uh, that worked against South Florida because they had, they didn't have receivers who could make the catches. That's not going to work against teams like this. They have legitimate weapons on the outside. And as an ACC team, you should have guys that should be able to at least compete with them, at least have a, a, a chance at stopping them. Uh, but, but in Louisville's case, that doesn't seem uh, to be working very well. So that's, that's something that I, I greatly fear in this game is that um, they're going to they're gonna realize that Louisville has their backup quarterback and their three-star you know, three running backs are all out. <laughs> that, that's a recipe for disaster. They're going to try to – your ears back. Yeah, they're yeah, they're gonna to try to players. they're gonna to try to go, you know, hit them hard and hit them early. And the, and the the look, the verdict is out on the on this team and on on almost any team in the, in the Satterfield era. Uh, if you come out early and you punch them in the gut, uh, Louisville just lay down for you. Yeah, uh, and and you know, I, I hope that that you can call me out next week whether I'm on here or not, Jacob, and tell me whether I was right or wrong. I hope that I was wrong. 
Um, but but this is a team that's going to lay down for you and let you and let you pat their belly and, and run past you into the secondary. And it's it's also a team that when they get a lead, they're going to lay down for you. Um, so the, there's that's that's really just something that just kind of bothers me because as as we suggested, this is a team 100 percent that when they have it all together it is a really solid squad that yeah. should have enough talent, you know, very, very quickly. And then, then I'll, Vince, you can, you can take over and I'll shut up uh, very quickly. When Matt was talking a lot earlier, it just kind of crossed my mind. Like he said, he, he said like talent level, right. At Louisville compared. And I'm thinking compared to the ACC, right. When I kind of broke this down very quickly into tears. I think that there are two teams in the ACC that, that are clearly just have more talent right now than Louisville and that's NC state and Clemson. Then there's a whole group of teams that are similar or a little bit below them and Pitt, Syracuse, and I'm going just their schedule this year, Pitt, Syracuse, Florida state, Wake, Virginia, Boston college. I think all those teams, they have some positions, they match up well with those other positions. Louisville matches up well against them. I think the talent level is a little bit better than like a Boston college or a Virginia. I think it's very similar to a Pitt or Florida state or a Wake forest. Uh, and then on the rest of the schedule, I think UK's talent's better right now than Louisville. And I think the Louisville's talent's better than UCF, USF, and James Madison. So if you look at that, just on talent alone, right, that Louisville should be able to, like, nine and three should not be out of the question with a competent coaching staff with a good game plan. I think that when you just on talent, size, depth, all that stuff alone, they've established a lot of that stuff. And we talked about in the offseason, it's exciting. They have depth in most positions. And that's why we're talking about, like, we could be talking about a fifth string running back going off in this game because they, they've established depth in certain areas. Uh, so to me, that that's that's should be the exciting part. And it's why it's the infuriating part. Right. Because you have depth at linebacker where, you know, if Monty Montgomery's not not stepping up the way he needs to. OK, well, we'll just bring in Debo Jones and he's going to tear it up the next game. Like that's very encouraging. And then that kind of sends a message to Monty. He comes back and plays his next game on the heels of that game. Right. It's like that's that's how you should be building. That's how th- this program should be thriving. Right. But they're not the, the, in other positions. They're failing. In position at, at corner, they've regressed. At quarterback, they've regressed. At receiver, they've regressed. Like there are serious questions about the the quarterback in, in the in the wide receiver room right now. They have not recruited that those areas well. There's only one freshman that's come in under Satterfield and has gotten any playing time, and that's Amari Hunter-Bruce. Every other guy's been a transfer or a Bobby Petrino guy. There's nothing in the cupboard behind him. That's concerning. There's nobody at quarterback. Like we're talking about, like it's probably an L because Malik Cunningham is not playing. That's a problem. Like that, that kind of stuff, that's what's concerning. And that's where we start to call on the coaching staff and say, look, y'all fucked up. Y'all got to do better than this because we have the talent level to not be fucking losing by 34 to 7 to Syracuse and be, be losing to Boston College on a missed extra point. Like we shouldn't be talking about freaking pass interference. We should be talking about why we beat Boston College by 21. Yeah. Like and at the end of the day, that, that's, that's it. And that's why people are pissed at the coaching staff. Is because of, because of those things right there. Because you have the talent, you've taken the time to develop that talent, and what do you have to show for it? You're zero and three, probably going to be zero and four in conference, might be zero and eight. That's a problem. So here's it goes, here it goes back to that old Bill Parcells quote: "You are what your record says you are." Here's I'm the guy, don't lie, baby. The reality of the situation is. The defense is going to have to win this game for Louisville if Malik Cunningham and the running backs are out. This is a game where Brian Brown, Scott's watching. Remember when the teacher, when the principal used to come in the room and watch the classroom and see how the students acted with the, and you were on your best behavior? 
we better get the defense on their best behavior with the principal in the room this weekend. Um, I really, really feel good that Louisville will bounce back defensively, uh, but it's a matter of can you prevent those big plays? They can go for three and a half quarters and play great football, but can you stop the the Keontan touchdown, the Keontan Thompson touchdown, or the uh, or the the Wicks t- t- touchdown, or a, a big running play from Brennan Armstrong? Can you stop those and get off the field? And then for the offense, can you at least just move the ball, get field goals? Can you get can you get a big play here? Can you take advantage of no film on Brock Dome and assuming he is the guy? Um, and so that that leads us into predictions. I'm going to go first here. Um, just up until today, I, I think I even said on the the show right before this one with Tyler Griever that I, I wasn't sure what I was going to do from a prediction standpoint. Um, and then I thought about it and I looked at the the numbers and I looked at where Louisville was and what Virginia does. And I just have no confidence that Louisville is going to win this game. Uh, Virginia's offense has not been great this year. Their highest scoring output has been 34 points. Their lowest scoring output has been three points. Um, I think they're going to score somewhere between 17 and 24 points. And the problem is I just don't think they're going to get enough from the offense. I think we're going to see a disjointed offense that looks broke, that looks like they're not sure what to do. Um, I, I think the offensive line will play well, but outside of that, I think everyone else is going to struggle with the injuries and the responsibilities being added. Uh, I'm going to go that Virginia wins this game 24 to 10. Oh. Uh, I'll go next, I guess. Uh, you know, the whole – I said it last week on the show, and I feel like this whole season has been this way because it's been every other game. And, uh, you know, we pat you on the ass tell you you did a good job, and then you go and shit in my hand. And that's what I'm kind of left with. And – you know, those guys told me that that saying up in the stadium, and it, it's ringing true right now. I'm going uh, 45-21 Hokies. Cavaliers. Cavaliers, man. What is, what is Whatever. Virginia Tech? <laughs> I love that. Whatever. Oh, man. Mark, here, comes Mark, Virginia, here comes Virginia Twitter. We have, we've played Virginia. Louisville's played Virginia away four times um, in Charlottesville, and they have lost three of those times. I just want that to be known. They haven't won since 2016, and it was on a Lamar Jackson uh, absolute rope to Jalen Smith at the last second. Uh, so that's another reason why us picking them Louisville to lose, it's not off base regardless of – I mean, it's just history is kind of writing the story. And I want to pick one right for the season. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, so I'm I'm probably going against the grain here. I know all of the stats that we've pulled up to this point probably suggest that Louisville is not going to win this game. But before I give my actual prediction, I, I did want to highlight one thing I meant to. Virginia is very much not good at special teams. And when I say not good, I mean he is – they are one of the worst in all of college football. I mean – just real, just real quick, I'm not going to get to the real nitty-gritty of the stats, but in net punting, they're 119th. In kickoff return defense average, 113th. In punt return average, 130th. In punt return defense, 112th. The one outlier out of all of their special team stats is average kickoff return, which is somehow 19th. We saw in 2020 how big of an issue the hidden yardage part was. I mean, that was other than turnovers in 2020 – that was the biggest reason as to why Lowell ended up with a losing season in that year. So as bad as Louisville has been when being consistent on the offense, how hit or miss they have been on defense, if Virginia continues to put themselves beyond the eight ball from a special team standpoint, that can 
play into Louisville's hand, even with their struggles on both sides of the ball. That is why I should, like the stat suggests, I should probably pick Virginia to win this game. I'm going to go with Louisville 24-21. Hey, I hear you, Matt. Look at you. Okay. Look at you. Matt, we've right, been Matt's kind of got me this, back in. But I'm back in. My com- I'm ready to win. My confidence, I, no, my confidence with this no. pick is like <laughs> 5%. I'm not confident about this pick at all. Matt, I mean, we've been on the same wavelength. We were way off last week, but at least we were on the same, same wavelength. Um, so I got Louisville 23-21 here. I, I think that this offense actually kind of plays into Scott Satterfield's hands just a little bit more. Like, it's, it's more what he wants to do, right? Like, uh, like remember when Bobby first had Lamar and he kept they, he kept taking him out and saying, okay, no, you know, we're going to let Kyle Bowen start this game. We're going to let uh, – who else was Reggie. on the team? Reggie, Reggie Bonifant Reggie. start a game. And then we'll, we'll just bring Lamar in, you know, like trying to make him a running back, trying to make him a, a – try to make him a punt returner the first couple practices of the season. Like they, they just tried to tame him. They tried to make him what they wanted him to be because Bobby Petrino is his offensive genius. And he was like, no, 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 this is how you win football games. And then you realize you got Lamar freaking Jackson. Don't be a moron. Let him do Lamar things. Right. It's kind of the same way with Malik Cunningham. Um, Malik came out the first year under Bobby and was very streaky. Everybody's like, he can't throw the ball 10 yards. And all of a sudden stat sat shows up. And he's throwing bombs every other play, right? And mm-hmm. and part of that was that that I think you know uh, Ponce de la Ponce and and uh, and Coach Sat and, and and the rest and the rest of the staff instilled a little bit more confidence in him. But I think that they just realized how to use Malik Cunningham more effectively. Um, it, by by the same token, I think that that this kind of takes Scott Satterfield back to his old offense, and he probably has a lot of stuff up his sleeves where he can more effectively utilize a quarterback who's a little bit more of a passer than a runner, right? A guy who's mm-hmm. going to go through his progressions, a guy who's going to be, you know, if you're, if you have a running play um, with, with, why am I forgetting his name? Malik? No, our, our, our starting. Oh, Brock. Brock Doman. Man, I, I really want to call him Evan Connolly so bad. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, I get that. I mean, they look very similar with the helmet on on the sidelines. So anyways, I'm so sorry, Brock and, and Evan. Um, when Evan's going to take offense to that. Oh, I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will. Um, no, when, when, you look at, when you look at Brock Doman, he's, he's a guy that, I, I, honestly, I feel like he might be a little bit better passer than Malik. I, and I know that it's 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 difficult to say that just because the situations that we've seen Brock Doman in are like desperation situations. Like you, when you bring a guy off the bench and he's literally never started a game at U of L, you're like, go win us a game. Like most of the most of the time, it turns out the way that it turned out the other night. Sean McCormick felt that statement in the heart. Sean McCormick <laughs> felt that yep. absolutely. Now, of course, you say, well, Evan Connell, you know, you'd come in and be serviceable, but. Like really, we know Evan Conley for that that run play against Wake Forest, but the reality is, remember Evan Conley the same year against Clemson. Remember Evan Conley, oh, you know, and, and back. Dude, he got hit so hard Boston against College. Clemson, I didn't think he was going to get up. That's, I don't know if y'all remember that. Yeah, that was like the yeah. one time I was on sidelines where I was like, he might be dead. So we actually have game plan sat with a guy who's more of a throw first guy. And look, you're going back to the Javion Hawkins days with with the two speedy backs that they're going to be playing. Um, and you're going to be going, remember Hawk left, Hawk right? Remember how we talked about that a lot? There's going to be a lot of just off-tackle runs. If these guys can hit some holes, like I think that <laughs> I think that you could see a big game on the ground 
What is what is the the fifth string running back's name? I can't even think what his name is. Maurice Turner. Maurice That's Turner. That's the guy maybe. that beat Tyree Kill in the foot race. Yeah. Okay. Nope. So yes. I so mean, you have come on. Yeah. So you have your two kickoff returners are your two running backs in this game. Now Louisville might get lucky and have one other guy back, but I think you're going to see just a little bit more, just like sat in his natural environment. And here's the last thing: when when their backs are up against the wall, this coaching staff manages to concoct a game plan that is more effective than when they're just kind of free balling it. Right. Like, I hate to mm-hmm. say that I hate that that's the way that it is, but I feel more confident in this game than I felt in Boston college, just because like, I just know that they have a pension to get things done when the pressure's on, when the backs up against their wall, uh, up against the wall. And the Scott Satterfield we saw on Tuesday uh, at the press conference and at the coaches show is I don't think it's necessarily defeated. I think it's a guy that's just emotional and really cares and I think that you're kind of seeing that that come out a lot. Like, I mean, he's uh, as he should be. He's a freaking competitor, man. And I, I kind of like that. Like, I like that he's fighting for his job and he knows it. Like that that's something that should make Louisville fans feel a little bit more comfortable. That at least he knows he's fighting for his job. Like he knows that that he's close, and he also knows that he's close to to turning things the other way. And you have the perfect opportunity with a, a quarterback that the other team is not prepared for, with running backs the other team is not prepared for, and playing – they're going to have to play with their ass on fire on Saturday. And for those reasons, I think that Louisville's going to pull this one out, and it's going to be one of those games where are going to be like WTF. Why couldn't have we, we have done that against Florida State? Why couldn't we have done that against Boston College? Why couldn't we have done that against Syracuse? And it's going to be maddening, but that's how this coaching staff is. That's why I'm saying 23-21, it's going to be ugly – at Virginia just makes me uncomfortable. It just makes me feel weird. Uh, and I, I'm sure have you you haven't been to, have you been to Virginia events? Yeah, I, I was I at have. Virginia, uh, but I was there during remember, COVID, so there was no. Remember, there, so. remember the game where uh, James Quick got in a fight at halftime, right before yeah. halftime. Yeah, I was at that game. Okay, okay. Is that when you were covering Georgia Tech? No, this was actually uh, like the year after I gra- – it was either the year after I graduated Louisville or my final year there. It was one okay. of those. I didn't start covering Georgia Tech until 19. Okay, okay. Um, so, I can tell you weird weird shit happens at Scott Stadium when, when Louisville plays. And, okay, so Vince, let me ask you this. Is there – do they have like an Iowa situation where they got like pink toilets or something? Like what's up with, with playing at Virginia? Like what, I don't, what, I don't know, man. I, I don't, I don't know. Now you guys have heard my story. The infamous, like we're getting the play in late at Virginia. Like, yeah. I mean, there's just another yeah. thing. Like chalk up that never happened. Never happened. I signaled every game from I mean, 1920, and that never happened. Where something like that, we're taking that long to get a play in because you know I mean, it's just we, silence. You know, uh, Louisville's first year in the ACC. That was Bobby's first ACC loss was was to Virginia. And you look at you know the Lamar game. If you remember that game, I mean. Lamar, his stats were crazy. Like, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's hysterical to go back and look sometimes at his college stats. He had uh, 320 yards passing, um, 80-something yards rushing, and four passing touchdowns in that game. And, and we were like, God, Lamar sucks this game. Like, it's just like it's, – it's all just such perspective. <laughs> it, it, took a, it took almost a miracle, you know, kind of like a, with 20 seconds left on the clock. Like, Top five know. Louisville football picture of all time, for oh, sure. Yes, yeah, it's great with the kid laying on the wall. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah there's kids like giving Jalen Smith the finger the in the finger, crowd. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, but I mean, then the last two times they've been, it's just like they just cannot find a way to win a damn game. And it's just so it's frustrating. So I was just I wanted some insight on like, is there anything about the stadium, the culture around there? I, I don't think so. It's just it's a weird. Uh, you know, it's kind of different going to 
places that's not really known for college football. If that if that's making sense. Yeah, I mean, it's like just, you go to Tech and like you're in the A. Like that's you're in, like you know you know people are gonna you know, come out for that game. Uh, Notre Dame. Yeah, that's Notre Dame. You're at Notre Dame. That's in the middle of freaking Indiana. There's nothing right. in Indiana except Notre Dame. God shining that one bright light down on Notre Dame. Yeah, and <laughs> I, I mean like we're hyped for that game because it's that's. Notre Dame and the atmosphere around Dover's, it. Baby. And whenever I was there too, Presley, it was a COVID year, so shit was already whack. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we didn't know who we were going out there with on Saturday. Right. I mean, we're. I mean, guys are getting tested still, and we're like, well, hopefully, we got X, Y, and Z. Because it'd be wasn't nice. That, wasn't that the game? The the game where Javion Hawkins uh, was like last second was announced that it wasn't going to play. And like literally a couple of days after that game, he announced he was going to opt out. Was that? Yeah. I, that think, game? I think you're right. Yeah. yeah. I think you're right. So, that was just, yeah. It's, it's a weird, weird environment. And that, I don't know. Was, it's just, it's just, it's so, weird. I feel that way when we play them in basketball too, though. It's let just me tell like you, a weird. Let me tell university. you my theory. Okay. So Virginia <laughs> just has this like weird elitist, like, like, I mean, Lachlan McLean is just the perfect just about to say. for them, right? Like the boat shoes, the, just the something. It just feels like there's the vineyard vines. Like they don't they, use freshman, just, sophomore, junior, senior, do they? Yeah, That's they use first run the first year, first year, second year. They still got the Bronco, Bronco Mendenhall numbers, where their best receiver wears number ninety nine, and their quarterbacks wearing something weird. Like it's just. It's all we like. They got a you know they got a weird looking punter. Like it, it, and you got a bunch of you got a bunch of frat boys in, in boat shoes coming out for a noon game. That's gonna be you know drunk on wine coolers. It's gonna be like you know no Zimas. Just you're they're gonna have to bring their own juice is what I'm saying. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they're gonna be drunk on wine coolers and Zimas. Louisville's gonna have to bring their own juice. Yeah, and no doubt. <laughs> I doubt. I don't know how yeah, well we'll travel to that game either, considering what our fans are saying about the home games. Yeah. No, so I mean, it looks like it's probably gonna be friends and family up there. Mm-hmm. So if I, if I'm those guys, I'm sitting back in the locker room and I'm, I'm looking back and it's always, you know, it's, this is all we got, but like, I'm literally looking at everybody saying, this is all we got guys. Let's yeah. Let's play go. together and go win a damn football game. Yeah. It's yeah. football. It's something they've been doing since they were in first freaking grade. Yeah. Every yeah. single one of them kids knows, has learned how to tackle at seven, eight years old. Mm-hmm. All those Malik started throwing a football before that. You know, Brock started throwing a football before that. It's there. It's just football, guys. Just put it together and go win a damn game. Yep. I I think that's a great way to finish it. Uh, guys, thank you for uh for hanging on. Thank you everyone for tuning in uh and kind of suffering along with us. Uh sounds like Vince has us losing in a blowout. Me and Matt are still holding on hope. We think we're gonna lose a close, ugly one. Uh, Jacob somewhere off of, I guess his, I guess his laptop died or something, but somewhere off in the abyss. But until next time, Preston Meyer, Matt McGavick, Jacob Blaine, Vincent Lococo, let's get the F out of here. Go Cards. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. 
Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.